You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. G'day everybody, welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast for another season, season six, would you believe it? My name is Matt Walsh, I'm joined by Jake Michaels and champion artist Christian Jolly. Gents, six years? It is feels it? like it, it can't be. I think I say that every year. Oh, fourth year, or oh, the fifth year, but the sixth year. Six, six years feels like, well, that's a long time. What were you doing six years ago? Well, starting this, I guess. Well, that was the obvious <laughs> answer, but I, I was kind of more alluding to, how old were you have been? 25, 26? 20, yeah, nearly 26. Young and bright-eyed and in the caper of journalism and, and watching footy and... Still doing the same, I yeah. think. Maybe not so bright-eyed anymore, but... Um, a bit more bleary-eyed. It's been... Uh, well, what a change. I mean, when you consider this new studio that we're in uh, in, in today, mm. um, you go right back to the first time we were in uh, the makeshift makeshift cupboard, basically. We had yeah. to dust that down and, and get all that ready for episode one all those years ago with, with us three and, and Neil uh, as well. So, um, yeah, it has come a long way. A lot of episodes, a lot of fun. Hasn't it ever? Hey, Christian, how's champion data come along in the last six years? I guess kind of throwing back to what was that, 2017? I can't, my maths isn't very good. But six years, a lot can change, I guess, in the statistical landscape. Can you kind of remember back to when we first started the podcast and, and what was what was happening that was new and, and what, I guess, now is just sort of commonplace in the industry? Yeah, I think, well, I think pressure rating was probably the main one. That yeah. was probably only... Yeah, that was... It had probably been done for about three or four years, but only live for probably two, so that was still in its infancy back then. But no, we'll need to... Um, I think we need to buck some trends here on this uh, podcast, though, because the that studies right. all tell you that you usually peak... Uh, in, in AFL, you usually peak at your sixth year, and that's sort of... That's, that's the, the zenith that you reach, and you'll... Well, we still need to do our uh, 100th... But, Episodes yeah. away, <laughs> two hundred yeah. episode giveaway. We'll be close to two hundred. I, I oh, know veterans by that point. I think is what they describe them when you hit two hundred games in footy. Uh, no, don't say that because we do have the new digs. Um, as we've kind of said, exactly. the, the, get better. the studio, uh, new intro, flash new logo as well. Thanks to the team over at uh, Disney as well for that. So look, plenty to get to. We're going to talk footy again all year, which is great. Um, we've got some exciting announcements later on as well. Um, but there's a heap to get to, including what is new for Champion Data this season in 2024. We're going to talk the best 50 players coming into the season, Jake, which is uh, your little passion project that you've been doing for a few years now. So not the Tough most... Oh, yeah, some robust <laughs> feedback, shall we the say. The hardest thing I do all year, I must say, um, <laughs> but we'll get into that a little later. Uh, we'll go on the record. We'll be talking about our, our rises, our sliders, our flag winner, our wooden spoon, all that kind of stuff, and our big calls for the season as well, mm-hmm. uh, among a heap of stuff. You so had a big call this year? That was something from year one, I reckon. Your big call. Your Gold big Coast will win a game. Wasn't that it? <laughs> yeah. That's it. I was right. If he's saying we've peaked at year six, I think yeah. year one was kind of the, the, the slow start. That's the, We were the rookie that was trying to get on the park. That's it. <laughs> no, but we do have plenty to talk about, uh, so we might as well get cracking straight away. Uh, Christian, there is something I want to ask you off the top, and it's the practice games that have been sanctioned by the... Well, they haven't been really sanctioned by the AFL, but the practice games... You guys haven't been keeping stats for those because I logged on trying to find who'd played well and who'd done bits and pieces in the uh, in the pracky scratch games on the weekend and couldn't find anything. Yeah, yeah, no stats covered for those ones. So they're again, it's just the category they fall into, and I think I noticed it watching it on uh, on Fox and KO as well. There were match simulations, um, so Champion Data weren't sort of. Uh, engaged to provide a service for that. But then speaking, I spoke to sort of management at Champion Data, and it wasn't. It was the AFL had said. Uh, those games were basically glorified training sessions. So the mm. AFL uh, provided Harsh. the umpires, yep. and that was all. So the timekeepers, the interchange stewards, the venues, all that sort of stuff had to be sourced by the clubs. Um, so they're not sort of just not official on the fixtures. So I think because they end up on TV and everyone's sort of watching them. Mm. Um, I think people assume that, that yeah, the stats would sort of fit there. in. But yeah. I think that's that's the AFL were quite you know again when you read the fixtures they're quite uh, clear that. Week one was match sim. Week mm-hmm. two, starting tonight, is actually the the actual preseason where you know everything ramps up and everything goes. Uh, you know, we capture as much as we do starting tonight as we do during the home and away season. But yeah, the first week was just match sim games. That again, it's just yeah, um, as I said, it's more directed from the AFL. Is they're not official games. Do you they're get not... trigger happy? Like, are you, are you wanting to do the stats for these kind of things? Or a little it... bit. We did them. We have done them before, and they they can be hard. I mean, there's the, and because they are training games, teams will say that they're going to use. 25 players and five on the bench, but they might just put 10 on the bench for one of the quarters because people are getting a bit tired. And, and it's sort of very hard to sort of when they start throwing in VFL players yeah. in, in the fifth quarter, if you like, in the sixth quarter. So, I mean, That's yeah, you, you, lo- you love to get period. all the data you can. But then, again, a lot of those times we are covering it and we are sort of saying, well, you can't compare game A to game B. So they're very much... You get the stats for that one game yeah. and then you throw it out because that game was obviously... 30 minutes longer than the other one that was played at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. So. Last question on, on this. As a stats man, the seven quarters must drive you nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, seven sevenths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seven that's why, yeah. 
you've got they've got periods in US sports. So yeah. I say, yeah, it's the yeah. sixth Makes period sense. and the seventh period. So. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, speaking of, of Jamie Dunn, I guess sort of staying on that that mindset, how has your off-season been? Obviously, now these days you're doing a lot more than just footy and then there is a bit more to sort of occupy the offices uh, during the, you know, quote-unquote off-season. What's, what's been happening? Yeah, well, again, that's probably one of the biggest changes. Six years ago, we'll probably our off-season was produced uh, doing the prospectus, which yes. is a publication we did for I think yes. made sixteen years worth or so, but um, that's all sort of fallen no by the wayside. No chance of a comeback. Um, I, not in, definitely not in a print format. I mean, it just yeah, just uh, wasn't doable in shame. terms of um, falling into place. But yeah, like at the in in the last six years, I mean, you know, we picked up horse racing and tennis, and I do a little bit of the US lacrosse, um, the NLL. That's we do right, the outdoor yes. lacrosse. Um, the NLL. The the uh, the uh, netball and things like that. So yeah, plenty of sports going um, on in the champion data's four walls between you know October to round one AFL season. It's uh yeah sport pumping out. But yeah, now I've been watching my Saskatchewan Rush go well in the NLL, but got done nineteen six yesterday. So yeah, not so happy about that one. I'll have to Google that one later. Um, fair enough. Well, hopefully that doesn't mean that you are neglecting footy during the off season because I guess fans, clubs, the media, we kind of all want to see strides forward in this space. Um, new stats come out, or or um, you know twists on old stats or, or stuff like that. Have you been working on bits and pieces? No. Definitely, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, football's still our number one and our core sport, and that's, you know, we were always challenging ourselves in the four, four walls, again, of making sure that AFL stays as our primary focus yep. of the coming, it is our biggest sport, and it's sort of our, our number one client. So, yeah, it's still been uh, tinkering away with the stats, and probably where we're sort of getting to now, it's, it's rather than trying to capture, you know, a lot of the stats we click buttons for and actually capture as they happen, now it's about sort of drawing in what we've already captured and using the GPS and positional data sort of, you know, in more of a, in more harmony if in, in, in such. So knowing exactly when a team goes inside 50, how many players are actually standing inside the forward 50 or inside 30 metres mm. from goal. Being able to get all of that from the time sink and the GPS data is probably probably what we've most been playing around with during the off-season. And so I guess that means that you can start to look at twists on stats where it's, you know, and, and the one that you've got in front of us here is it's called the 100X rating, which is basically... Um, it takes into account every position and the expected ratings per 100 minutes played in that position. So yep. if you're, for instance, Jack Sinclair and you're playing in the back line, um, but then when you float forward, sort of your expected um, ratings points per 100, meter, uh, 100 minutes in each position. And if you're above average or if you're doing better than the average or if you're doing worse than the average. And that's kind of something that's new this year as well. Yeah, again, it's probably separate to the GPS. So that's, you know, looking at, again, with the 666 rules made it much easier for us to capture who's actually playing what position across the game. Obviously, when general play um, breaks out, you're sort of tracking who's who's pushing forward or pushing back to make those changes. But yeah, in the last three or four years, teams have really returned back to that defined 666 position rule. So mm. again, a lot of our, uh, you know, we've spoken about ratings and rankings and trying to boil everything down to one number on, on, on this podcast plenty of times before. And it's probably the 100X ratings is something that it started to creep out a little bit in the second half of last year. Some people might have heard it, but you'll probably start hearing it a lot more in the media landscape this year. And it is, it's, it's just taking rating points to another level. So we already talk about rating points. And we know who, who averages the most rating points across the game, and they're always going to be midfielders. Yep. So actually having a look at and breaking down and say, and again, you look, use Jack Sinclair as a great example, looking at Jack Sinclair and going, hey, as a general defender, he, he outrates everyone by five rating points per game because of the time he gets to spend in the middle compared to someone who, who's just playing, you know, raw, like someone like Christian Salem or something who's just playing half-back and never getting centre bounces. Mm. So all we're able to do is actually look at Jack Sinclair and go, well, you'd expect him to actually get more with the time he's spending in the midfield. So that's where the 100X comes in. It looks at if you spent 50 minutes as a midfielder, you should be getting half as much as a midfielder averages per 100 minutes. Yep. Yes. Um, and so it's it, fair and the same for everybody. Defense. So again, it's looking yeah. at Sinclair and going, rather than him getting 10 rating points across the game, he got eight rating points in his 50 minutes as a defender and his 16 rating points as a midfielder which means he was either you know x above for a defender in that 50 minutes and and, and x above for a forward so uh, for a midfielder so again that it's really looking at game situational stuff so again looking at the gps stuff and talking about the inside 50 conjecture you know talking about at a stoppage where yes. is everyone standing and what type right, of thing okay. and, and it, when we go inside 50 how many numbers are in there this is probably a lot more looking at okay when a player is playing in a certain position how much how much output do we get personally from him but also to the next step we're going to go with this is look at how your team actually functions when you're playing in that position. So Petrarca, when he plays forward, what is Melbourne's clearance differential mm. exactly when he's playing as a forward? What is Melbourne's score per inside 50 rate when Petrarca's inside 50? So they're the things we're starting to hopefully sort of move towards where we can actually break down the game and say, okay, when rather than how many times did something happen, it's more about when did mm. something happen. I mean, all data is important and 
um, the, you know, the clubs, the clubs want all of this stuff. But I imagine something like this would be super important to have because Petrarca is a perfect example, and we spoke about it uh, quite a few times last year. He's so good in the midfield, and then he goes forward, and he can do it better than anybody else, as the numbers will uh, suggest. So it's all is it? I guess it's all about how, where do you deploy him, and for how long. And that's the kind of question that all these so, clubs are asking. So I guess give us give us Petrarca's stats here. So I'm I'm looking at this this um, this in front of me here, and you've got for these are these are last year's numbers. So obviously not including the, the scratch matches that we've just had. But you know Christian Petrarca is a midfield. He is 3.32 ratings points uh, per hundred minutes above the expected average. Yeah. Um, when he goes forward, that's 7.01 ratings points above the expected average per hundred minutes. So, yeah. so, so, so that so that shows that he's. Well, you know how good he is as a midfielder. But he's twice as good as a forward compared. Correct, yeah. So that plus 3.3 doesn't sound like a big number and a big sexy number, but plus 3.3 would, would put him in the top 10 or 15 performing midfielders. When yep. he's in there per 100 minutes, he's, he's performing three points better than anyone else. But then he almost gets double as good as a forward, yep. which, which we haven't seen him spend as much minutes. But again, yep. this was all cut to minimum of 300 minutes as so a forward last year. So you said it wasn't specifically tied to the GPS data, but then how do you differentiate time in the midfield versus... Yep, so it's all tracked by, our, as I said, with right. our matchups. Um, and, you know, I could have sat here and... In 2018, 2019, and we would have said matchups was on its it's, it's on its deathbed. There was really? no, there was just rolling malls. Everyone was you know after a goal, you would never have six people standing in the forward fifty. You'd have mm. three defenders. You'd have four wingers, and it was getting a little bit you know we we're still trying to match up who was on who. You, you want to know again? Finn McGuinness tag Nick Dacos last year. Had he done that four years ago, we would have tracked that quite heavily. But it was getting more of who is your defender in this game? Well, they've got nine of them. So the 666 is really brought back. Now you really need to define, okay, Bailey Smith, you're going to know when he's playing forward or midfield because we can't sort of hide him on the wing and sort of have three wingers and you don't know which one's going to push forward. You actually have to start with your forwards up forward and your yeah. wingers on the wing and your defenders. In the I, I am still a little, just a little bit sceptical about all this. Remember our discussion late <laughs> last year about Dustin Martin? I reckon we had this discussion on the podcast about where he was playing. Um, and everyone was saying, oh, he's got to be an All-Australian uh Half forward. The numbers throughout the year, or the or the tracking, would say he played the majority of the year as a half forward. The end of the year, the last two games, my eye was telling me it was eighty percent of the midfield that he was playing. But the but it doesn't back that up. So if you're starting a centre bounce at half forward, and then you run into the play, and you're you're in amongst the ball in the midfield for yeah. ten minutes. As I said, you're still being tracked as a forward, right? As I said, there we were. You've got to you've got to switch with someone. So How does if, it reset, if there's so, so if there's four midfielders and, yeah. and Dusty Roll exactly that we we have to make the assumption if Dusty if there's four midfielders that we've set for Richmond and they are Taranto, Prestia, Jack Graham and whoever else is in there and and Dustin Martin rolls up there and all of those midfielders are still around that area then Dustin Martin stays as a forward he's just playing as I said he's teams not, he will doesn't send, become another midfielder no because teams are you, sending their forwards up they're not saying all right let's play with six midfielders yeah. out they're telling Dustin Martin you're the forward you go up to the stoppage yeah. but when the ball goes forward from the stoppage you're the one Trent, like it's not Jack Graham or Dion yeah, Presti yeah. I'm worried about getting for you're the one that needs to be in the forward line so it is it's 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 based on yeah. this 18 positions on the ground or you know 20 if you look at we got loose men and, and things like that but it is it's it's a one for one swap if if Dustin Martin goes and starts yep. following the play around the ball, but the other four midfielders there, yes, he'll stay as a general Because you can look at a heat map of Dustin Martin at the end of a game, and it can look like a heat map of Sam Walsh. Yep. It looks like he's just playing all over the ground in the midfield. But if he starts as a half-forward for yep. a lot of those centre bounces... With a, with a, and again, with and a general no defender on him... reset, you, you He'll be almost exclusively him. as a forward. So, yep. so flip it around. and So let's use Jack Sinclair as the same example again. If he runs in off the off, off the, the from the fifty in defence, and then the ball um, goes into St Kilda's forward line, and he pushes up, yep. and he gets a quick the quick kick comes out of out of the St Kilda forward line, and he picks up the ball at the wing, and he's getting these disposals very much in the middle of the ground. Does that still count as time as a defender? Yep, yep. So it's still where he's playing in terms of the, the set. There's still eighteen people out on the field, and he still has his position on the field relative to everyone else. That so he's it kind of moves with. So, with the ball. Correct, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Ross Lyon would not want to end up with 10 midfielders out there. He, he'll need to still know, okay, who are our six defenders, you know, who's behind the ball, yep. blah, blah. So, again, Jack Sinclair would be one that we would watch. And, we'd, we'd, again, the guys that are tracking matchups are just, mm. they're, they're not watching the ball. They're just watching where everyone's running. Mm. They'll understand that Jack Sinclair in the first quarter, when he was general defender, he was five metres behind, behind the stoppage. Now he's under the Ruckman's nose and player X is from it. Let's make the switch. Yeah. We can clearly see. So they're That's not just watching where the ball's going and, and go, oh, he's on the wing. They're actually, as I said, they're, they're actually looking at a puzzle, an 18-piece puzzle, and there's 18 players that need to fit in that puzzle. 
to make to move one piece, you need to replace it with That's another piece. Has this answered just... your question a little bit? It's, it's answered it in the sense that I understand how it works, but I also still think there's part of it which you can say, and Martin was the example last year, but there, there are others and there'll be more that become apparent well, it won't be perfect is what you're saying. Where it won't be perfect, where people will think, oh, but because you can look at, pure, you look at the pure numbers and you say, well, Martin as a forward does this, this and this and this. Yeah, but he is around the ball a lot more than Charlie Cameron as a forward. So mm. the numbers are going to be a bit skewed in favour. He's going to have more. But that's where, and again, to... that's where we're looking at roles. So you, yeah. you do have the high. Charlie Cameron is not a high half forward, whereas yeah. Dustin Martin is. So you, again, a general defender. We're talking about Jack Sinclair, and if we want to talk about maybe someone like I don't know Connor Buderick or Brody Kemp, their, their jobs are completely yeah. different. They're not going to be. They're not, they're not yeah. supposed to have the same stats. Yeah. So again, I, I get what you're there saying. There will be a bit of grey area for these yeah. guys. It's like... still a. It's still a I still would argue back to you that it's still a forward role that Dustin Martin's performing. No matter where he's doing that on yeah. the field, he's still he's still playing as Richmond, yeah. one of Richmond's forward lines. But setup. I think it's a clear distinction to note that if he is starting as a half forward or in the goal square and he rolls all the way up and gets a handball receive in the back pocket, he's still as a forward. It's not it's not you're up in the back half. That's you're but a again, defender at that point. Yeah. Hey, this is a spicy start to the so, season six of the it, podcast. Just, no, it's interesting how it's done. That's why <laughs> but I. That's why. But then again, camp, I think. But that's yeah, why. A better indication of where people. And that's why playing. we sit here and we present one number. So I'm presenting 100x and matchup. Yeah. What you're talking about, we can. We'd also got where does Dusty Martin win the ball? So we can compare his percentage one in the defensive 50 or the defensive half to Charlie yeah. Cameron's, and we can get more sense of okay, yeah. pull up this number. Why is Dusty such a good midfielder? Oh, so, sorry, such a good forward. You tripped me up. But why is he such a good forward? And it would be. Things like that. Yes. Oh, he's getting more ball in the back half. Yeah. He's, he's doing this, he's doing that. But again, and, and again, almost thank our lucky stars, we've got the 666 to fall back on yep. that. After he does perform all that, we watch him and he's like, oh, he's gone back to the forward line. Yeah. He's, so Before we move on from this, this is a really interesting discussion. And I'm sure if we, or especially if you, with your ears within the four walls, think that this is going to be a more prominent stat as the season goes on, we should come back to this a few times. I think we will. I think absolutely. Um, but a couple of notable stats, I guess, from last year, when you look at players that um, you know perhaps have a primary position X, uh, and then go to secondary position Y and have either done really well in the secondary position or not as well? Is there any numbers, names that jump out at you? Yeah, as I said, so you can roll it up and I'll sort of, I'll talk about the top five soon. So you can roll it up to one number and sort of say player X is plus seven points above his expected ratings Overall. based on where he's playing. Right, yes. But what it's also good Sorry. for is those ones that you're always throwing up of where, where and Petrarca might be one, where is this guy better at when he actually plays? Where, where is he performing better? But just just to stop you there, but if Petra, if, if Simon Goodwin said, right, Christian, we want you to play permanent forward all year. If they did that, we'd all be calling him nuts, wouldn't we? Well, but maybe it's the but, impact but, that he has, the, but, the short bursts. No, but, but exactly. But, but these numbers say that at, in that position, that's he, he's performing twice as good as... As, 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 as I said, chicken, chicken or the egg. Is, is, he, is him getting the clearances or helping get the clearances for Melbourne and then shifting forward and playing a forward role, if you take him but out doesn't of... It to factor, isn't it factoring all of that into, into that equation? What do you mean? Factoring... So I'm saying if, if Petrarca's you know, crucial to the clearance that the Ds get out of the centre, then he rolls forward at the stoppage and plays as a small forward and, and is underneath the nose of the ruck or whatever it might be, and he kicks the goal. But like, I don't think he can Does he, go, does he get that goal point. if he's not in the middle? Go, I don't like, think he can go from... You can't just interchange back and forth like that. Well, no, no, clearly not. But, yeah. I'm, but I'm sort of saying yeah. like when, when that role is... like. He's obviously, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. But, but as I said, and Petrarca's probably the hardest one for us to talk about because as I said, that, that plus, point, plus 3.3 as a midfielder. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a gun midfielder. Yeah. And his minutes, you know, being quite low, it's been a small sample as a forward. As I said, it's, it's been over 300 minutes, so it's, it's a decent sample. He's it's plus seven. So it's like, well, he's a gun forward, but again, plus three, where does he rate in Melbourne's midfield? Yeah. He's probably plus two points better than anyone else. You know, yeah. Jack Vardy might be plus one as a midfielder. So it's like, well, he's still our, clearly our best and, midfielder. And, just and it all goes back to exactly why we're sort of talking about 100x. Because when I first looked at ratings, it's like, well, ratings is another number. Brownlow, rankings, everything else, it's a midfielder's. It's yeah. a midfielder's number and it's a midfielder's award and things like that. So midfielders are always going to get more opportunity to get higher scores. Mm. This actually looks like, okay, when he goes as a forward, he's actually still getting... As I said, the, the output that Petrarca does is seven times, you know, seven points higher than any other forward yep. in his time down there. All right, so let's look at some players that I guess, um, not, not necessarily saying underperform in their primary position, but actually do better in the secondary position. There's some interesting names here, and I'll, I'll kick it off, I guess. So Sam Doherty, his primary position in 2023 was actually in the midfield. So this is based on majority of minutes, so yes. where you played your most the minutes. The most minutes. And so his, his 
his rating or his rating points, expected rating points per 100 minutes was minus 3.69 per 100 minutes as a midfielder. As a bounce midfielder. And it jumped up to plus 1.22 as a wing, so on the outside, um, for a difference of, of 4.9. So this is suggesting that Doherty is more damaging and should be playing wing permanently. Yeah, so that was the, the biggest change between someone who'd played 300 minutes in at least two positions is Doherty's secondary position wing, which I think was about... Certainly about 30 or 25% of his overall time. He was actually yeah, at plus 1.22 rating points, um, what he was producing on the wing. But yeah, below it, below the average as a midfielder, which is probably makes sense of if you just look at Sam Doherty and where you think he would be suited, he is probably suited to the outside and sort of that good ball use and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been, yeah, at times where Cripps and Walsh and earlier in the season where he had to go into the midfield. I think there was a game where he was one of the most experienced midfielders in there because mm. Chera, Cripps and Walsh were all out. So... It was probably forced him to play out of position. Um, but again, this is something where you can look at and say, well, we had to play him... At least 300 minutes as well. Exactly, as well. on the mid and the wing. When, you, when you're coming down to 2024 pre-season, you say, well, we probably should be looking pushing Doherty more to the wing and trying to find someone else to be that, that backup midfield. Another one that sort of went from you know the inside to the outside is Josh Kelly, who's still good as a centre-bounce midfield. So plus 1.64 rating points higher per 100 minutes as a midfielder. But when he's moved out to the wing, six rating points higher. So, again, almost up there with Petrarca wow. as a forward-type levels, um, where he's just, yeah, the ability to sort of be able to put him on a wing. And, again, and, and if you think about the Giants, that probably means that Tom Green, um, maybe Toby Green, Finn Callahan, those guys are really sort of, you know, controlling the middle. Yeah. And that's allowed Josh Kelly to sort of provide that um, the, the class on the outside. So he's an interesting Which one. Which is what he really kind of, you know, made his name for... A few years the Rolls ago. Rolls Royce, right? Using the ball the Rolls Rolls outside. Yeah. Um, Cam Zerha is an interesting one. I think this might be more symptomatic again, in Melbourne. I, yeah, this is this is one that I would look at and sort of again, you need to go, dive deeper into the numbers because Cam Zerha as a forward is negative point six six rating points per hundred minutes. Yeah. Not too bad for as as a North Melbourne forward that's seeing not much of the ball. Because <laughs> like, it is, it's comparing you to the rest of the competition and yeah. and, the, and and again. You talk about uh, where I we come from six years. The reason why these numbers are so good is now we're up to, I think, 13 years' worth of data. So mm. we're comparing him to 13 years' worth of right. other sort of, you know, players that have played a similar position. So negative um, 0.6 uh, rating points per 100 minutes of four, not too bad, but plus 3.56 as a midfielder, so which you think, wow, in the midfield. Yeah. we've got to throw him in there. But exactly, I think it's the the ability for him to go in there and play five or ten minutes yeah. that maybe when he hits the, the 12 to 15-minute mark of a, you hit a wall. in the midfield. You can't do yeah. it. That, and that, so, so that became another thought I had with players who... You know, the coaches spend... have their role right. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. the players that might not spend an awful lot of time on the ground, forget position. So you're coming on for if you're playing 80 minutes as opposed to 100 minutes, are you going to be that that extra burst of coming back on and um, you're not being you don't have the fatigue factor as much? Are you going to be able to give more? If you said to Marcus Bonton Pally, right, we're going to take 20 minutes off your game, but when you're on the ground, just give it that extra five, ten percent. Mm. I mean, would that would his number jump? So I think that's another part of it as well. Um, so we, we need to keep moving through, but so there are some some great names here. So Rory Lobb obviously probably plays predominantly forward at the moment. So minus two point one zero rating points per hundred minutes played above uh, below the average. Um, when he has to play in the ruck, plus one point nine eight. So that's kind of interesting. Chad Warner better as a forward apparently. Yeah. Uh, by him quite comfortably by by four rating points per hundred minutes. Uh, Petrarca we mentioned. Um, there's a few other names here, so like Mark Blitzars as a midfielder, pretty average, sort of that. These minus numbers are, are from last year, right? Yeah, since yeah. 2023. And, as, and then Blitzars as a ruck is actually above that, so you see 2.10 above that uh, expectation. So, I mean, look, there, there's some really interesting ones. We could also go the other way as well, and there are players who are. Um, oh yeah, have <laughs> been tried <laughs> in other way. positions, but yeah, and it hasn't worked. And, yeah, it probably hasn't worked <laughs> as much. So on top of that list is someone like Levi Casbold, who again probably. He is a forward. He's negative 2.55 rating points per 100 minutes of forward. So below uh, below where he should be, but you know not too bad. But negative 9.32 when he's thrown into the ruck. So usually put in there because of necessity or you're the tallest Dimmer. out there. Let's, Don't do it. Yeah, let's just get Casbold in there because he's the tallest, <laughs> but clearly uh, doesn't go well there. Stiff. Caleb Daniel's an interesting one. Um, again, because it's based on last year, his two positions on this spreadsheet are forward and mid. We know Caleb Daniel was mm. being a five, six-year vet behind the ball as a general defender. Comparing his main two positions last year, though, when he played as a forward, point, uh, plus 2.76 rating points per 100 minutes. 
when he plays in midfielder, negative 3.4 rating that's points. Surprising. That's surprising. Um, but news, again, I guess I think, going inside 50, probably racks up a few rating And again, points. I feel like that's what Caleb Daniel is. He's, he's a flanker. And without, yeah. you know, that shouldn't be sort of seen as a, as a dirty word just because he's not an inside ball or an inside midfield. He's better when he's coming either yeah, from behind absolutely. the ball, what he did as a general defender. Um, and it goes back to his, his junior stuff as a small forward at the under-18 champs. I think about 70% of what he touched turned to a score for South Australia the year that he played, which is one of the best championships. I still think he's the best so. 20 to 25 metre kick going round. Yeah, so um, make stuff happen. Nick Martin's another interesting one, just quickly, because he sort of was on the wing last year, was plus 4.56. Which is very high. Winger. They yeah. threw him forward, and he was negative 0.37. Mm-hmm. Now there's a big... You know, they're raving on about him moving to half back this year, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on his number. And again, we'll be able to ex- extrapolate, we'll be able to sort of combine 2023 and 2024, and we'll be able to keep Nick Martin to wing forward and general defender by four weeks into the season and really get a feel for have they, you know, do they need to put him back on the wing or can he play in a secondary? And so position? we talked about Sinclair before and how his rating, um, rating points per 100 minutes, like above the average, was quite high as a, as a back, yep. so 7.16. Um, but then you go, oh, well, he, he's so much less uh, when he gets thrown through the midfield, but he's still very much above average when you, t- when you talk about midfielders. So for... we spoke about Petrarca being plus 3.3, which is quite good for a midfielder. Jack Sinclair is plus 3.55. So, so still excellent yeah, midfielder. So, he so is... Jack Sinclair's a better midfielder than Christian Petrarca? <laughs> per 100 minutes, he's getting more value. That's that's how this... For, for 2023... He him, but he was happy yeah. to, he was happy no, to not, put well, That's what the numbers will say, yeah. yeah. So for 2023, per 100 minutes time spent in the midfield, says. Jack Sinclair had more impact per 100 minutes. Well, there's the title of the and there were part. And there were only a handful that would be higher than Sinclair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whether but again that was probably me looking before I put the three hundred minute qualifier on. So I reckon it'd be even he he'd be even less. But again, that looking at it overall, you break it down to one number, the best overall rating, and it is Jack Sinclair number one. So mm. if you compare what he's producing per one hundred minutes in whatever position he's playing, he's always plus five point nine points rating points higher than what he should be getting, no matter where Gun he plays. Player. Followed by Bonta so he's Pally. number one. Yeah, Bonsapelli second at five point uh, plus five point four seven. Dan Houston third. Taylor Walker fourth, so here's an interesting one. Mm. If you just go raw rating points, he's equal with Charlie Kerno, um, but he played eight fewer minutes per game than Charlie Kerno and, yep. and basically produced the same result. Makes sense, so yes. Comes up the per 100 minutes. Nick Blakey and Zach Butters. So you can sort of see there Sinclair, Houston, Blakey. It really Similar likes those attacking, attacking defenders. Um, guys that take the game on. But again, as a coach, you ask them and, and everyone wants one of those guys in their team. So they're your best overall playing. But then you can also just look at who is the best player in a certain position. And again, it's Jack Sinclair again. So whether this ends up being the Jack Sinclair ratings or something, but we spoke about his general defender rating per 100 minutes plus 7.2 rating points per 100 minutes as a general defender. That's the best of anyone that's played at least 300 minutes in a position. Um, and then Petrarca as a forward, the plus 7% that we're talking about, that's the second best. And Errol Goulden, who actually played 326 minutes as a forward Just last year, in. plus 6.7, which is the third best. So Errol Goulden as a forward is the third best player in the competition. Uh, just off the top of your head, is this something that can really help you when you're looking at super coach kind of players as well? This sort of stuff, where you look at a secondary position and if you if can you, get bargains again, like this? If you know that, I, I would look at this for, if you're looking for super coach, probably thinking, if you know that Levi Casbolt's going to play Ruck this week. We know that they don't have yeah. wits or anything, so it's like, all right, let's avoid Casbolt. Or it's the yeah. other way where it's Petrarca is clearly not going to play forward because they've picked. So, you know, again, you're not going to change Petrarca. He's good in either position, but it's more about when if you know that someone's going to have to fulfil a different role coming up yeah. forward, you can have a look at this and sort of go, okay, is he going to go well in that position? Interesting stuff. The hard X ratings. have to do a lot more throughout the year, I think. I think so. Where are we expecting to see this, just as a general rule? On TV, radio, um, the clubs use this kind of stuff? Yeah, so I know we, uh, Chevy Data, had a segment on SCN radio last year where um, Daniel Hoyne was using it. Um, and again, just the way the media works, I think talent works on SEN that works on Fox as well. So whether they take it to Fox and start using it there and whether... There you go, um, keep an eye on it. Yeah, whether it ends up on Channel 7. But yeah, it's, it, it'll find its way around the industry, I'm sure. Uh, we're sort of... Well, our, our footy season is drawing closer, which means the content is starting to come out, Jake. And, yes. Uh, it's starting to get very busy on the website, espn.com.au forward slash AFL. Always busy, but uh, yeah, footy now, which is which is good. We kicked things off, uh, well, on Friday, but uh, on Monday we released your best 50 players in the AFL uh, column, which, as we found out last year, it's a it's a thankless task, firstly. Well, it is. It's a, it's a draining task. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, as we said in the opener, there's um, there's always robust feedback given. There is. Um, so far, from what I've seen this year, it's 
a lot less harsh and critical, I must say, which is good. Well, were means, you preparing for the worst? Yeah, I think you have to. Are you, <laughs> whenever you're putting an opinion down, something like that. The thing I always say is you can get every footy fan in the country to do that, to come up with their 50. You will not get two that are exactly the same order, let alone the, the, you know, the 50 players. The, the order as well is just mm. nuts. So you've got to think about it. I'm all for, the, for people saying this player shouldn't be there, this player should, higher or whatever. But try it. Like, honestly, try doing it yourself and see how you go because it's an extremely If you think task. about it, so there's probably around 800 players in the league. 800 players. Maybe so you're looking less. at top 6, top 7% of players. So when you miss some, when, when someone doesn't get on... 18 times people, 3, that's 56. Think, so you're, if you're not in the top 3 players at your club, yeah. you and can't really And obviously some be... clubs are going to have 5, 6 players. So, yeah. so, so I think there's a, there's a general feeling that if you're not on the, this 50, mm. you're no good. Well, you could be the in the you know seventh or eighth sort of percent that sort of range, and you're and you you don't get on. Yeah, and there will be a few on the stiff list. Do you have a few off the top of your head that didn't make it? Spoilers alert! Of course, you can read this online. Yeah, I mean players that didn't make it. It's free um, and not behind a paywall. Yes, uh, which is always good. Um, so we got well a few players from notable players from from last year. Uh, Lockie Whitfield didn't make it. Missed out. Um, ben King didn't make it. Tim Kelly didn't make it. Josh Kelly didn't make it. Uh, Josh Dacos didn't make it. Isaac Rankin didn't make it. Josh Dacos. Jeez. Um, Probably the best and fairest didn't Hugh make McCluggage. it. Hugh McCluggage. Zach Bailey. And these are these are the kind of the, the ilk of players you're talking about. And you go, these are yeah. good players. These are top 100 players. But... but then to the point, you go and read the 50 and you think, okay, who are you taking out? Yeah. You've got to take someone out. You can't pick instance, 75 who are you, players who's your in the top 50. 50, 49th and 48th off the top of your head. So Max King was 50. Yep. Dan Houston, 49, who we just we heard about, is a yeah. uh, <laughs> very good footballer. Uh, Jacob Wiedering, 48, Andy Brayshaw, 47, Stephen Cornelio, 46. So you kind of see where you're going. And I guess the you got Cornelio and Brayshaw as the the end sort of midfielders. And then you're looking at players like Tim Taranto just just missed out. Um, you know, it's the, you, you've got to drop one of these guys out to put somebody in. Very difficult task. Yeah. Well, if you think that's difficult, I guess coming up with a top 10 is equally as difficult, well, right? S- believe it or not, the, the top 10 actually, top 20 is probably the easiest part of it. Oh, we were arguing and, and you might, pontificating for a while over the order. So uh, the order might be a little tricky, but I, I, I think in general, if you get every, if, if you got everyone to do their own top 20, I reckon you're getting 15, 16 of the same names every single time. It's when you're getting down like 35 to 50, you can throw a blanket over a lot of different players, so it gets tough. The top 10, for me, was pretty well set from when I first started out doing this, and it didn't really change too much. Okay. So, shall I run through it? Oh, spoiler alert. If you if you want to read the yarn first, feel free to do that. Pause this and go and have a look. But, um, no otherwise, one's going to do that. are listening now. <laughs> Who knows? Go ahead. <laughs> we'll start at 10. So, 10 was James Sisley. Um, I'm not, I won't give a, an, any sort of detail about it. You can, read, you can read that online, but I'll just give the list. So, 10, James Sisley. 9, Clayton Oliver. Eight. Uh, no, I think we should have a bit of a little bit of a chat about. It. I mean, Sicily's probably. I mean, we we kind of looked at this on the pod last year when Hawthorne had him in the side, and then when he missed from the side, and just how much they sort of fell apart, uh, and how, how how structurally important he is. And yep. so, I know that you're not. You know, the top fifty is not the most valuable players, but he is one of the most valuable players to his team. Sorry, I thought we were. Uh, I thought we were going to press through this. That's all nah. good. I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think he's one of the most valuable players in the true sense of what that award or title would mean. He is extremely valuable, and like you said, we, he he missed four games last year through those two suspensions, and the Hawks, I think they lost all four games by an average of about forty nine points per game. They were a completely different side. Not that they were world beaters when he was in there, but they did cause two of the biggest upsets of the year, and just were a better team. Mm. Um, he is a phenomenal defender, one on one, reads the play well. He can intercept. He set, he launches a lot of their attacks. He, in my opinion, is the number one defender in the AFL right now. Uh, Clayton Oliver was ninth, and I think this is it's so hard to know and gauge and and judge yeah, tough because. We know what he's been able to do, uh, but what he'll be able to do this year, we're not quite sure. But but as you've kind of said, it's 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 leading into this season yeah. that you're that you're judging these guys, and he's clearly been a top ten player for numerous years. Oh, he has been. I mean, very, he was a top ten player not not too long after he entered the league. What he did, I think people overlook how good he was so early. Clayton Oliver, um, and I, and I say with his entry in the in the piece, it's he was probably the toughest player to rank out of all fifty well, because he was third last year. Yeah, so. 
I truly believe, I, I think you've got to go one or two ways. You've got to keep him as where you think he is or he falls off completely because we, we, there's so many unknowns. I'm happy to, to back him in. If, he's, if, he, if you're telling me he's playing the full year, he's going to be one of the 10 best players. I'm pretty confident in that. We, we know what he does for the Ds. Well, fingers crossed he can get uh, healthy in mind and in body as well and, and play some good footy because um, I think he needs... That's, that's what's best for him and, and what's best for the club. So yep. moving further down, a uh, bit of a controversial one, I think. Patrick Cripps at eight, top 10 Didn't still. think this would be. Um, yeah, so something else, a little bit of a, a caveat with, the, with this whole exercise is I'm, I look at the last two years. I think two years is a nice window. Looking at one, there's a lot of recency bias if you just got so one So we're taking season. into account his brown though. So you're taking into account the last, it's not an exact science of game, every single game, but it gives you a bit, of a, a bit more of a, um, a scope on a body of work. So looking at the last two years, you've got him... Uh, as you said, that his Brownlow year, the best year of his career. Then you had last year, which a lot of people thought was a down year. But anything that, if you go from Brownlow year to not winning a Brownlow, by definition, it's a it's a it's down still, year. He still, still finished top ten in the in the medal and top and he, three for generating scores from clearances, which is what Cripps yeah, did at his best that's, to sort of extract he had and getting it yeah. on the scoreboard. So he's still yeah, he, I think his role was underappreciated last year. I, I think so, and I think he's still one of the most dominant players yep. on their day in the entire league. I mean, he, he puts that, that Superman cape on and like, you can't stop him. Yeah, uh, number seven. This is a man who was unranked last year, so coming with a bullet, really. Yeah, I mean, it just Nick Dacos goes without saying, phenomenal rise. He will be the number one player on this list oh. in, in short order, I would imagine. Wow. Um, and if, we, if this was a list of players you'd want for the next 10 years, he's number one already. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Well, if he it. played every game, he would have won the brown line. Last Probably, you would yeah. say. Yep. So uh, I've got him seventh. I still think, obviously, that there are six players better than him um, going into this season. Yeah. But as I said, it won't be long before he's, he's top of these. Some of the stats list. that that surround Dacos, especially just through two seasons, are, are quite amazing. I think you've you've given here to, to Jake that he's won more disposals through his first 47 games than any other player on record. Yeah. It just goes was... to show how, how much of a ball magnet he is. Yeah, and we joke about it. That was 50% of his career's played out of general defence and yeah. behind the ball, so he's, he's, he's done it a different way. So, um, yeah, it's exciting to think of what this guy could be if he actually gets forward of the ball and has, yeah. a, has a season as a mid-forward. Mm. Um, we sort of speak, speak about the office, you know, there hasn't been many players to, whether it's been done before, to have 30 disposals in a game and kick 40 goals in a season. This guy could be one of the first if he is given that licence to, yeah. to play as that mid-forward. Justify this for me, though, Jake. Um, the man who did win the Brownlow last year, not in the top five best players... Is that not by definition he's the best player? Uh, well, you'd think so, especially because I love the award so much and I love, you love the player. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, he was Sorry, he, he was six, so he, he dropped a few spots as well. But again, I, I don't think anyone's going to debate the top five ahead, um, you know, and say that he is he's definitively better. Don't speak too soon. Um, you know, people love to to crap on the Brownlow anyway and say it's a midfielder's award, just re- just um, reward stats and all that stuff. So. Lockie Neal, yeah, gun player. We know what he's going to do. Um, had a phenomenal year. Obviously, there was a little bit of... Uh, people didn't think he probably deserved the Brownlow, but he probably should have won it the year before. So it all evens out. Um, what he's done in uh, at Brisbane in the his five, six years now yeah. um, is just extraordinary. That really. it's, a, it's a Hall of Fame resume at, one at club Brisbane. In, within a forgetting what he's done. Um, forgetting what he's done. He's, he's, a, he's a premiership away... And I, it feels a long way away now, but you know, you go back to the five minutes ago in that grand final, how close it was. Mm. What would we be saying about Lockie Neal if he if he was a Premiership captain, a two Brownlows, co-captain. co-captain? But you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it's a yeah, it's a great question. Um, one of the great what ifs, but you know, he's still time. This yeah. is the thing. I think uh, the Lions window is well and truly still open. Top Number five? five. Yeah, let's let's whip through this a bit quicker. Ger- I, yes. I gave you a bit of license. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you've taken it. <laughs> Top five, Jeremy Cameron. Um, I think for quite a while he was seen as the no doubt number one key forward in the league. Well, he has been surpassed. Spoiler alert, mm. but still top five player. Uh, he was on track for the hundred goals for, through the first quarter of last season, and you know. People got excited about that. But they got excited. They, he tailed off a bit yeah. with injuries and a little bit of form, and the cat and the, you know the cat struggled a little bit. You're gonna be surprised if he comes back this year and boots eighty. I don't think anyone will be. So he's five. Christian Petrarca at four. Another player we just spoke about can play in the middle, can play forward, um, and you just can't stop him wherever wherever he is on the ground. I think he's yet again another massive chance to win uh, the Brownlow. 
Number three is the guy that I is the player that has uh, overtaken Cameron, Charlie Kerno. I think he is now the, the best key position player in the league and certainly best key forward. I don't think it's really up for debate. He's won the last two Coleman medals, kicks he's kicked, I think, twenty five goals. Question mark is that he can't quite produce Hasn't on the biggest stage it. against the best teams. Yeah, so there's two things. So didn't didn't fire in finals. Mm. Didn't have a gr- he, no, none of his finals were that crash hot of the three. Um, and, and but even going through teams the, like West Coast. But even through the, the home and away season, his best games were against the poor sides, and his worst games were against the the good side. So that's that's why everyone's got something to work on. That's his thing, and that's probably what takes Carlton to the next level. What are the two men above him got to work on? Number two, Marcus Bonson Pally. Well, he's got to work on winning in one of those brown lows. Like I said, he's finished runner-up twice. I think a lot of people would too soon, isn't it? I think a lot of people would say he is the number one player um, mm-hmm. in in the comp. He can do it all. Doesn't really have a flaw to his game. Kicks goals. Dominates in the midfield. Um, but the guy I've gone as number one is Toby Green. I think what he did last year was one of the great seasons. Yep. Like period. I think what he was able to do, taking leadership, the ca- taking the captaincy. Yep. There were question marks on, on that side of his game. He took his actual game on, on field to another level. Kicked 66 goals for the year, I think it was, in the end. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's kicked... I think we overlooked the fact that someone that's kicked 60 goals in a season, in this day and age too, we're not talking about when you know, it was commonplace to kick 60 goals in a season, to kick 60, but he's also someone who we know in his first couple of years was averaging 28, 29 disposals a game. Yeah. He is the ultimate Dynamic. footballer, can do it any which way. The IQ is just insane. And as as is the, the whole crux of this piece, going into this year, you tell me you can, I can pick anyone for the whole year to play fully fully fit, fully healthy, uh, and you get them for every game. He's my first pick. Any qualms, Christian? No, I think it was quite good. Again, <laughs> no, good. I, again, I, I got, I got. You a, two collaborate on this. I, quite exactly, closely, I got, an, I got a good early look. So um, happy that you got Harris Andrews in there finally. But no, Harris again, Andrews I, was sort of yeah, just floating around. It's hard that that thirty to seventy. There's you can you're just forever changing. I would mm. I would work on it until eleven o'clock at night. Be happy with it. Go to bed. Wake up. <laughs> come back to it and change twenty names around again. And you could just keep doing it forever. But I, I do like the, the Toby Green. Again, this goes back to my the Gary Ablett theory that I always had. So when you know Gary Ablett versus Lance Franklin, if you just put them in both in a room, say one of these guys is good at sport, which one is? Are you going to pick? Gary, are you going to pick Lance Franklin? And go well, he just looks he's so much better. Yeah. But because yeah. we'll get what Gary Ablett produced, he became the number one player. Bonzapelli, Toby Green. I think it's the same sort of thing. <laughs> you can't split them as players, but you look at Toby Green and the package he comes in. It's like so unexpected of how good this guy can be yep. for how much he dominates in the air and things like that. So. Again, yeah, you're splitting hairs between those two, but I think it's just that the, the Toby Green package actually makes it yeah. more special what he's been able to do. Just on just on Neil again, and, and being six, having five players finishing yes. ahead of him, winning the Brownlow. Three of the players ahead of him are ineligible to win the Brownlow because they're forwards. <laughs> so take them off. So there's really only two, and it's Bontempelli and Petrarca. And I think those two are the the guys that just I understand. Yes. I, think most, I don't think there's anybody that is going to take Lockie Neal over Bon or Petrae. Uh Jake has said that he is very open to receiving feedback on this. On the proviso that you do your own top well, 50 and submit it to him before you have a crack at him on Twitter, at J. Michaels ESPN. <laughs> and, or if you say, how can X not be on the list, tell me who you're taking out. Or if you, you know, people say, give me five names, well, take five out. Them's fighting words. Uh, all right, well, we might as well go on the record while we are still here and talk about our pre-season predictions and who we think will win the flag, uh, who will be runner-up, Wooden Spoon, Rising Star, Biggest Rises, Biggest Slides. We'll do it all. Why not? Uh, Krishna, I might start with you because I like listening to yours before I decide on mine. Well, we <laughs> can't copy. <laughs> yeah. Look over my shoulder. Uh, pre-season predictions. You would have been a bad student. Let's keep these... Uh, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> let's keep these relatively brief, but a premier. Um, I've gone Brisbane. So have uh, I. Yeah. Again, I, yeah. I, I struggle with these in terms of you're always thinking about last year. Like, there's nothing's yeah. changed in the off-season too drastically in terms of list-wise and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think they can take the next step this year. Yeah, I don't think they're done. They're not on the way down yet. So um, I, I think the Lions, sometimes you need a bit of luck in finals. I mean, you talk about uh, that, that last sort of minute and a half and the free kick that, that you know, it, Could if it goes the other way, it. you just don't know. So I think, um, I think it's just going to be a reverse of last year. So my, my Premier is Brisbane and my runner-up is Collingwood. Uh, I'm going the Blues. To win it? Yep. I think Carlton is... Had the experience in finals now? Yeah. Uh, had, had enough experience. They've had, they had that roller coaster season where things started pretty well, just went horrific for nine weeks. 
and then were able to get on that run and prove that they can win game after game after game. Um, and the, the emotions through finals, I think there were other players that took their games to, to new levels. Uh, I think Crips mm. will be better this year. As I said, Sam Walsh was phenomenal in finals, the, the player of the finals. Mm. To, you know, Charlie, we spoke about. Harry Mackay was someone who wasn't on my 50. Um, Big but, wild card, but, I think, but this season. Massive wild card. And, and a player that you, I don't think anyone's going to be... He could easily kick 60 goals. And no one's going to be surprised if he's a consensus top 30 player by the end of the year again. So, um, and, and then the defence as well has come on in leaps and bounds. I, th- I think Carlton is, is primed. And the midfield is going to be what drives it. So Who are, yeah. they, who are they beating? They're beating Brisbane, so I've also got Brisbane. Mm. Uh, so they're avoiding them in the prelim, avoiding a trip to the Gabba. Going to avoid the, avoid them, and the but Brisbane going to Brisbane going to fall again in the um, oh, grand final geez. and probably uh, lead to a few changes. While but, I got you, um, your biggest riser, biggest riser, Suns. Suns, yeah. you're, you're backing them. You're backing Dimmer. Eighty percent of the flag uh, it's, list. It's not so much that I'm backing Dimmer, and it's not so much that I think that I agree with that comment, but I think it's time. I think, I think the list is in, is in a good spot in terms of the age profile, the players that they've got. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen another midfield where you, you, you see, we know how good Miller and Anderson and Rowell are and Wits, and we saw the emergence of Flanders last yeah. year. I think there's just enough now. The depth that was always the issue. Well, the consistency as well was an issue. Yeah. But you, you think that another year of experience irons that yeah. out as well. And, and, you know, when you do bring in someone, a coach who does have relatively recent experience of yeah. getting to the top, yeah. they can bring something. I know that it's a bit of a cliche that you bring in a, a premiership-winning coach, but, but there must be something there that he can offer these players. Well, I think even even forgetting tactics, tactically and all that stuff, what he brings to the Suns, I mm. think it's just as much a boost for the players thinking... Mm. This guy wants to coach. This guy obviously is on a yeah. good pay packet, but he's <laughs> he's taken this job. Like he must, he's not going to go there if he thinks they're garbage and he's going to get sacked in three years' time. That's fair enough. Who's rising for you? Uh, Adelaide, who will be uh, part of my big call. So I can. Oh, okay. I can touch well, on hold on to that one. Uh, I think the dogs. I think the dogs get back up into the top four. Dogs. They just they just have to, don't they? There's talent on that well, every, list. Yeah, but there's talent on every list. I know there's talent on every list, but I, I look at that team and I think that's they just they need to the, the, be better than what they are. The Bulldogs are a bond injury away from being a bottom four side. That's a big call. Is that your big call? That's not my big call, but it's. I think that. I don't think that's that. Uh, four line that's starting to come of age now. Yeah, but who's going to get them the ball? Oh, so yeah. Libera and McRae and they've been yeah, for the year. Best inside midfielder of last ba- year, but they're they're an injury. Tom Libertore is, but but Bailey Bailey Smith's gone. Well, he's yeah, not playing, no, he's and not, yeah. and McRae's, McRae's falling off a cliff. Himself. Yeah, I think that was, and again. Look at the 100x type thing. It was a role he was playing. He, yeah. You know, but I, I agree with you. They, they lose Bonds and Pally. They're not making finals. Yeah. So I, I would, I would stick with you. Slip through yeah. these. We, we keep, we keep getting caught up. Who's sliding? Sliding uh, Dons. Don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think from tenth. Yeah. I, I think they're going to be bottom. I think they will be uh, a bottom four, bottom five side. I don't think there's going to be a team that's going to have a drastic drop. But I think yeah. the Bombers are the team that I'm concerned about. Essendon and Richmond. I think. Just not very confident on what they can do this year. Yeah. I think you're right in that teams aren't going to drop heaps. I don't think there's going to be a massive drop. Well, that's, I've got my biggest slide is Sydney, but I also put the sort of the class of the, you know, the quantifier next to it that I don't think any team will drop by more than four spots. So if you're calling a big slider, yeah. you know, someone to drop four spots, so that, that might be three the spots. Swans. Is, yeah. Um, I think three are into the bottom four. Okay. I'm surprised no one said St Kilda. I just can't. Six last year? Yeah. Do they make finals? Not for you, obviously. Do they make finals yeah. this year? Oh, no. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Spoon? West Coast? Oh, I thought you meant yeah. uh, well, the same thing Spoon. It's <laughs> uh, hard for it not to be the Eagles. I yeah. mean, really. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, I think West Coast and North are both going to show more than they did last year. Um, but I think they're but, still... But they're still the step below, and I think it'll be a battle battle out of those two. I, I think we West won't Coast. be having discussions about, you know, is it the worst side since Fitzroy, but they will still be... Oh, I mean, I'm sure, know, bottom, I'm sure they'll lose a game by 152 <laughs> points. sure Fitzroy will be brought up once this year. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big call. <laughs> uh, Brownlow, I think Nick Dacos, if he, if he stays healthy, we saw what he could have done last year, and I think yep. that he gets it done. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I'm going to go this guy for the first time I'm ever picking him. Bond. Oh. I think it's, it's time. I mean, it's not a... It's not a but he's a one injury away from the... Do- yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it also shows how good he is. I mean, he, we just I spoke about him before. He's a phenomenal player. Um, and it's something that's missing from his 
resume right now, really. I mean, I think most people would comfortably say he's one of the best players modern era to not win one. play on the umpire's minds? Jeez, Bond hasn't got one. Oh, two or three. I'll give him three. I don't know. I would hope not. Because you've got the theory about whoever gets interviewed on the ground afterwards. Well, it's not. It's more so you're, in, you're they're interviewing a player. There's just going to be a little bit. The umpire's walking off, just sort of glance over. Last player he oh, says. Yeah. I was going to give him a one. We'll Brownlow. Uh, Tom Green, GWS. Well, was, I like that call. Was my one. So yeah. again, I, might not be this year, but I can guarantee you'll you'll, you'll have one in the next four or five. You would have thought. Uh, and the Coleman. I think we're all in agreement on the Coleman medal winner. I know. I thought I was going to going slightly left field, but yeah, I've gone, I thought I was too. But... I've gone Nick Larkey and. It, Piers, we've all on the yeah. big suit. He, he, he nails his chances. He's a really good kick for goal. And it I should think get a bit more. Yeah, they'll, they'll he'll be, get a bit be, more. Even if they're only 10% better in the midfield, that's... And that's where he's again, getting just, most just of those a, extra opportunities. And that's what I looked at when a very, very quick look at North is they, they've really stacked their mid... You know, yeah. going to get better oh, yeah. in the midfield, so they're going to get more ball. There's no one up forward that's going to take... No. Like, it's not like Callum Coleman Jones is going to get more games and become the focal point. So, like, yeah. well, Nick Larkey's still got that forward line yeah. to himself and yep. he's got a better midfield delivery. Especially yep. if big um, uh, Cam Zuhar goes into the midfield and is plus bangs in um, uh, on a similar vein, my rising star is actually George Wardlaw, who might be delivering it to him. So I think that he'll get um, enough opportunities and he'll be he'll be the rising star. Uh, I just can't see it being anyone other than Harley Reid. I mean, obvious choice again, but if he plays the full season, if he doesn't get injured, he's the rising star. I think that's an yeah. absolute no-brainer. I, I only reason I didn't put Wardlaw is because of the body and whether he can play the 22 games. I don't think, it, again, I don't know, probably Solid more boy. of a hope. I'm not sold that it will be Harley Reid if he's going to play that half-back role. You just know they're going to want to give I him the award, feel no like matter there's, what. There's a fair a few guys, and again, they're not huge names like someone like Angus Sheldrick, um, and, and we just talked about the guys that are going to be put into the gut straight away. So that's who I've sort of gone for. I thought Wardlaw definitely for me, just whether he can get through the whole season. So I've gone Elijah Shardis from um, from Essendon. Mm. So again, an inside ball winner, twenty five disposals, seven clearances per game as a junior. No preseason last year, missed the first half of the year, came back and averaged exact same numbers in the VFL in, in his final eight games in the VFL. So. He's going to get that role where if Essendon does get to 7th and 8th and he's played at 80% of their centre bounces, I feel like that's going to just sort of attract more votes from, from the voting panel. All right, finally, your big call for the year. Christian. <laughs> oh, okay, well, <laughs> I've gone. We'll, we'll witness the first showdown prelim. So not only have I got Adelaide slot uh, going up that high, I've got them So you've also got Port, Port. staying I've got Port and Adelaide both in the final four Jeez, and hopefully they meet up. Who wins it? be bigger than... Bigger than Gallo, about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got Port Adelaide being my runner-up, so I've got Port Adelaide making it to before? the grand final. Oh yeah, did we go through that? I oh, think I missed well, that one. But, yeah. uh, First podcast again, back. You know, Port Adelaide as runner-up, that goes against all of what the stats say in terms of, we spoke about their defence is just not there yet, yeah. but that's what they've recruited oh, yeah. for. Exactly. So I've put my hat on yep. something, I'm going on something I haven't seen yet, but I feel like they're going to fix their problem Good and feeling. hopefully their strengths just stay. So. Big call. Did debate Port as my slider, but no, I rate that. Well, I had a big call. So I thought, my big call was Tom Green was going to finish top three in the Brownlow. He's going to then win Christian, it. Then Christian said he's going to win. And I said, well, like, that can't be my, my big call now. So I've had to go with something else that I've been saying quite a bit in the off-season. Um, and it's Rowan Marshall. And it goes against everything I say about Ruckman. Mm. But I love Rowan we Marshall. We should insert some clips of you uh, yeah. talking crap about Ruckman. But we he, he will. So there's kind of two passes. He will finish the year as a no-doubt undisputed top ten player in the league. Which obviously will mean a couple of things. He'll be the All Australian ruck. Ruck. We'll have to overtake players and like Max Ball. And it won't be. It won't. It'll get to the end of the year. And it won't really be a debate. It'll be pretty well clear. Mm. Uh, it's Marshall's spot. But you have the Saints sliding. And sorry. But you have the Saints sliding. No, I don't have the Saints. Well, I don't have. They weren't my slider. Oh, okay. But no. you have them sliding. You said that they before. They can slide. They can slide. You never make it finals. No, I, don't think, I don't think I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Got the best finals. defender. We've just been praising. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Bond last year nearly won the Brownlow. The Dogs didn't play finals. <laughs> sure. um, so, yeah, uh, Marshall. And the other part of it is, I think he'll poll eighteen to twenty Brownlow votes this this season. I think he's that good, that important. Wins so much ball, tackles, clearances, inside fifties, contested ball, uncontested ball. He kind of does everything, and he does everything pretty Not well. Not your traditional ruckman. Um, yeah, I, I'm big on him. Yeah. I think he can be a star. Uh, mine is, North is going to win eight games this year, but they're still going to finish in the bottom four. I just think that they have eight enough games? pluck, and they'll, they'll, they'll snag a few. They might get a team down in, in Hobart and just jag one ear or there, 
And I just think that they'll win. It's kind of like Hawthorne a couple of years say, ago where they won seven year. or eight, okay. yeah, the last but couple of years. And eight. you go, oh, that's not too bad, but they still finish in the bottom four. I think Fremantle might slide a bit more, and then, you know, you talk about Richmond, Essendon. I so think what is, what is, who we, is 15th We think the gap is tightening, right? So maybe the gap's going to tighten a bit. Who was 15th last year? I feel like eight wins is a lot to, to finish uh, bottom four. Is it? I don't know, maybe not. Seven, seven or eight? <laughs> I think Cawthorn... Um, What's the I don't know. Gold Coast yeah, won nine last yeah, year. They, were, they yeah. were fourth. I was going to say twenty-eight, thirty-six okay. points is yeah. on the ladder. So I think, I think you know, you I mean, still I, have not the biggest call. I, I would have preferred if you went ten wins, but uh, and still finishing the bottom. Wait, I just, oh, just ten just wins overall. Go a bit. I think just back big. them in. No, eight, I, so they're going to go from three it's to like eight. Gargantuan call. Okay, it's it's but, not Zach Butler's so going to win so, the Brownlow. What was it? Brownlow yeah, Rising Star. And North. So, so your your <laughs> call is essentially North Melbourne will rise from seventeenth to fifteenth. Okay, that's that's a massive call. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Very good. Uh, hey, some new rules have come in this year as well. We will just really whip through these. Um, the sub's going to continue, but they're going to be named a, a bit earlier. So they're going to be named from an extended interchange instead of having the emergencies and then naming a sub. So a bit more clarity about who's going to be um, playing on game day a little bit earlier, which is nice. They'll still be named only an hour out from... Chris Scott went like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the old late change. Uh, Smothers and Runtown tackles are going to be more heavily scrutinised, probably obviously in the uh, wake of the Gus Brayshaw and the Maynard collision. Uh, probably a good thing, I think. I think everyone's pretty happy yeah, with that. The AFL yeah. needed to make that change really quickly, and I'm kind of glad to see they have. Yep. Even though, you know, obviously... Hindsight, a wonderful thing. You would have liked that to have been implemented at the start of last year, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. There'll be a change in interpretation of the laws of the game to permit straight arm blocks in a ruck contest. So no more of the, you blocked him out of the ruck contest, the stronger ruckman giving away a free kick. I'm not, I can't tell if you like that or dislike that. Love that. that. Okay. Uh, I, I questioned this rule when it came out because I haven't seen the full, so... The ruling of the ruck is you have to allow the other ruckman to compete a, for the yes. ball. But then they've brought in this one. So whether the, we're going to end up with, oh, yeah, you, you're allowed to stiff arm him, but you still have to let him compete for the ball. So Provided the kick. player still contests the ball. Yeah. So, if, you're, so if you can stiff arm, but then you're contesting the footy. So I guess it's kind but of... They, but the you guy you're stiff arming has to be able to contest the footy as well, according to the wording of the rule. So I find this one could be so getting a little bit confusing. Because just stiff like, arm's not but, that but good. But I really disliked when, when you, as a ruckman, got the good position then tried to protect your own space and then you yeah. got, gave away a free kick. So I'm happy to see that that's been tweaked and we'll see how yep. it goes there. Yep. Uh, and here's the strangest one um, from the off-season. Whistling from an interchange bench. A minor amendment to the regulations has been introduced prohibiting whistling from the interchange bench. The, this change is a result of excessive whistling from club officials. So who's, who's bothered by this? I don't, Have you I, ever noticed I, it as a fan? No. In a media box on TV? No. Never. Don't think I've ever noticed it. The is only... someone imitating the umpire's whistle? I think you notice it more. You notice it more if you would go down and watch a game of local footy. At the... You're hearing kind of yeah. you know, a bit Get more back. stuff. I don't think you hear that at the in the AFL, like especially when you get crowd noise and commentary or whatever. You... I've never noticed that. So obviously, maybe an AFL exec or an AFL employee Why who's down on the bench is just. Oh, jeez, old mate just keeps But whistling. it's not about it's, it sounds too similar to the umpire's No, no, no. It's just an, maybe it's, it's just an just annoyance. A, too or... much um, communication. I don't know. Maybe that's what the runners are for. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, usually at this time of the pod, we throw to something called red time as the clock ticks down on the episode. We do. Um, but we did sort of say uh, off the top that we have some exciting news, and it's that we're finally going to be doing two episodes a week. Yes. And we're going to call it red time because, uh, well, that's what we call the segment, and it's just sort of easy, and, and it's within our, uh, and we've got the graphics ready to go for, for that episode as well. So it kind of makes a lot of sense. But uh, basically, it's going to come out every Thursday ahead of the weekend of footy. It's going to feature Jared Barker, so who's been who has been in the host chair of this podcast Absolutely. He'll be, a few uh, times. He'll be back in uh, in my seat next week, as and well. Uh, you'll be with him uh, every week, and perhaps some guests to feature along the way. But uh, first episode next Thursday, that's March seven. Uh, what's what's the vibe? What are we going to be expecting from a red time? Uh, so we're going to be going through the hottest sort of topics in the sport and just a bit more, not rapid fire, but just shorter, sharper, getting through more topics and just sort of opinions on some of the biggest uh, biggest issues, biggest talking points, debates in the sport. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Excellent. So we've been uh, campaigning for a while to get an extra episode yeah. per week. And yeah. we finally... It's we've been, been a bit of a slog, but... Yeah, uh, the money has been unlocked and uh, Disney there. has uh, given us the key to the yeah. uh, to the studio. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Uh, fellas, we should wrap things up there. It's been a great first episode. Great to be back in the studio with you. Great to be talking footy again. Uh, it is good. We'll be back next week and you'll be back twice next week, as we just alluded to. No, I'll be back once, as I just alluded oh, to. Oh, no, I'm, yes, of course, I won't you're be, away. I won't Jeez, be comes here. in for one yeah. episode. 
already, he's already <laughs> traded. He's already traded a red time for this one. He, yes. he, um, he oh. said he was going to go to Japan and run the marathon, and suddenly it's become a half marathon, and now it's like, oh, geez, will he run it all? So he's just swanning off to yeah, Japan yeah. to have some sushi and uh, back in time I, for the start of the season. I will. So yes, I'll be back. Um, I'll be back for game one. Of, wow. of of what I'm calling round one, I refuse to call it opening round. So <laughs> that's, that's a, it's round one. A whole other uh, can of worms. Uh, but yeah, I'll be back for that. And uh, <laughs> with red time with Jared, so it should be fun. It'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, very much. Uh, thank you to everyone at home for tuning in. Season six, we're excited to get uh, cracking into it. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll speak to you in the next one. Thanks for joining us on the ESPN Footy Pod. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.